Hi, this is Dr. Sandra Laura Kramers. Welcome to the EYE show, otherwise known as the Eye Show. I'm one of the surgeons here at Visionary Eye Doctors, and thank you for joining us. We're going to be talking about the best tips and strategies to maintaining your eye health, your vision, making sure you have good eyesight throughout your life, have freedom from any type of discomfort or dryness or pain at the end of the day, and doing this for yourself and your loved ones. So please pass this on to your friends and family and those you really care about, because many of you have heard my videos before. Many of you have come see, to see me. Many of you have asked for this podcast. So I'm doing this for you to try to encourage you to pass this on to warn those around you how to maintain your eye health and prevent what we're seeing, which is a lot of dry eye. So today we're going to talk about the effect of COVID on your eyes. And this last year, it's been hard for everybody. I was joking with my friend recently that one day when I went into the office, every single patient that I asked, I said, how are you doing? Everyone said, hanging in there, hanging in there. Like we're all hanging in there. We're all trying to just survive this, this last year. So it, I've been very fortunate to see a lot of patients through COVID. And I want to share what I've learned this past year. So this is the EYE show. This is your show. Please text us, email us, contact us to let us know how we can help you, what questions you have. This podcast is really going to try to cover all aspects of eye care, but we'll start off with one of my passions, which is dry eye. As many of you know, my husband has dry eye, and that's why I'm, I care about this issue, because you can hear him blink from time to time, and it's quite distressing. So I want to share a couple of things about who I am. And then we'll jump right into some things that I've learned this past year. So I trained at Columbia uh, for my undergrad and then went to uh, New York Eye and Ear for my, my residency. And then I was at Harvard Medical School in Mass Eye and Ear for 10 years, where I was really fortunate to work with some very brilliant minds, including Dr. Judah Folkman, who has really taught me a lot about uh, the profession of medicine and surgery and personally was a dear friend of mine. So this podcast is meant to keep us all up to date on the best way to take care of our eyes and prevent any symptoms that can cause distress, anxiety, and even depression. So please, please pass this on to your friends. My hope is that by listening to these 30-minute broadcasts, you'll be focusing a little bit on your blinking and your breathing. We know that blinking is crucial for your eye health, and I'll go through what that means. And then, of course, breathing. We always talk about how we should take a deep breath in and exhale slowly. And that's very important for our heart rate, our blood pressure. And as you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, hopefully you're blinking and closing your eyes and allowing the oil glands of your meibomian gland to function. So we'll go through that uh, as well. So we'll have some from time to time, some guests. If you have any uh, questions, please let us know. And so it's interesting in this last year, more than any other year, I have seen more patients, even at my time at Harvard, more patients that have texted me, called me friends, family with some type of eye problem in terms of dry eye and styes, a record number of styes. I have to say that the issue is that a lot of us were on screens a lot before. Now we're on screens even more, especially children and teachers. And that was what was surprising about this past year for me is the amount of patients globally who have reached out to me about all kinds of eye issues related to that. And so we have a great example of a patient, have a great example of a patient who basically came in 
Uh, his name is Mr. Andrews, very well-known writer in the Washington, D.C. area, and basically sat in my chair and looked around and said, this is so weird. He basically had not been out of his apartment for more than a year. And he, I said, well, why are you here? You're, you're joking, right? And he said, no, no, I haven't been out of my apartment for more than a year. And I said, well, you've been to the grocery store. And he's like, no, I haven't. And so I said, why are you here? He said, because my eyes are killing me. you know. And he was really in a lot of pain. And the reason was because the oil glands of his eyelid were drying up. And for the first time in history, we can show people their meibomian glands. And this is actually huge because when I was at Harvard, we had patients that were usually old ladies that would say they have some type of foreign body sensation that was driving them crazy. They would have discomfort, but there was no way to really prove to ourselves or to them that they weren't crazy because there was no technology. So this new technology that's just come out, and for those of you that are on my podcast, I'm holding up a little picture some of you have seen on my videos before of a normal mybography, which is a photo of the lower eyelid. There's also an uh, example of the upper eyelid, but there's these white lines that are filled with oil that look like white piano keys. And as we get older, everything pretty much can dry up. And what we don't want to happen is for these oil glands to dry up, but that's what we're seeing. So on the top photo that I show patients, there's normal anatomy. And as we go down, you can see the scar tissue forming. And as everyone knows, it's easier to prevent scar tissue than to reverse scar tissue. So again, as you listen to this video or you listen to this podcast, blink. If you're driving, blink safely, but you want to blink frequently. Every three to four seconds, some people, I tell them, every two seconds. If you can't do that, just close your eyes when you talk to people that care about you, if you're not, if you're in a safe place. Because blinking is the mechanism to pump the oil out of that gland, just like you milk a cow. If you don't blink and you're staring at a screen or your children are on their video games or on their iPad or they're on Instagram and they're concentrating or video chatting, they're not blinking. And when they don't blink, you don't milk that oil out of that gland and that oil starts to clog up just like a dried tube of toothpaste and then it won't come out and it can cause chronic debilitating pain. And that's what I see every single week. So it's a new life uh, in terms of how we're dealing with this. And recently we had the honor of having a paper published in the American Journal of Ophthalmology. This is related to the children we've been seeing with severe dry eye. And this is pre-COVID data. All the children that were in our study were, the data was collected before COVID. And we had some children in this study that were on screens 12, 15 hours a day. This is before COVID. And I remember this one parent came in with his son and I asked the son, how many hours are you on the screen? And of course I was expecting him to lowball the number because his father's right there. And he said about 15. <laughs> I was like, what? Is that possible? Can you, you know? And his father said, yeah, in the middle of the night, I can tell because he has a way to track his screen time that he's you know, under the covers playing video games and he wakes up in the middle of the night. And sure enough, this kid already had scar tissue on his cornea because the oil glands were so severe. He had what's called grade three atrophy. And that basically means that these white lines that are like piano keys are basically disappearing. And this child, technically, and I told the father, does not have enough oil glands to become a computer programmer or to go into IT until we solve the brinking problem and understand what's going on. So this is what I've been seeing uh, in this kind of crazy year of COVID. 
I was interviewed on NBC recently about the masks. Are the masks making dry eye worse? And the answer is yes, probably it is, in the sense that if you have a, a mask that's located here above your nose and it's not really fitting well and tightly, as you breathe out, you technically are kind of drying out the eye a little bit. So I think that could be a component. The other big issue, and so we tell patients try to close, you know, the nose part a little bit, uh, open the bottom part to get more oxygen, uh, let the CO2 come out, that kind of thing. So that is a factor. But the biggest factor, I think, with screens that has not been proven yet is the blue light. And that's one that's a little scary because we won't be able to prove that for probably another few years. And by that time, you have millions of children and, of course, all of us on screens without any protection, which means that the blue light is hitting the retina. It is probably being absorbed by blood vessels along the eyelid and on the surface of the eye, and it's causing inflammation. And on the surface, this can translate, yes, into potentially maybe more styes or maybe more dry eye symptoms or maybe more meibomian gland atrophy. That we don't know, but that is a theory that I think is probably going to turn out to be true. But more importantly is the retina. What is the blue light doing to the retina? And we're concerned that the rates of macular degeneration, which is a blinding disease, and just to show everybody that's on the video and then also at home, I'm showing just a normal eyeball. So if you think of an eyeball as one of the old types of camera before digital, you have the front of the eye, the cornea, you have your lens like a regular camera, and the film of the eye is called the retina. And the center of that retina or film is called the macula. That's what you see the whole world with in terms of your colors and, and, and everything that you, that you see pretty much is the macula. And we know that the rates of macular degeneration have been increasing for quite a while. And we always thought it was because of aging and people are living longer. But the question of the blue light is a big concern for many ophthalmologists because we don't have the data to say everyone should wear blue light filters on their screens or on their, on their glasses. But we think that's a big issue that everyone should think about. So even in my home, even myself, and now in our practice, we're starting to talk about this and really push this because we know we do not want to put people at risk that are on screens all day long helping us see our patients to develop problems down the line. So many of you have heard some of these recommendations before, and I want to kind of go through what you can do in this podcast and in the next to help your kids and your family really try to counteract the fact that all of us are spending at least for probably four hours on screens. In the paper that we published in the American Journal of Ophthalmology, we talk about the mybography, which is this photo, an objective photo to show the status of your meibomian glands. And it really seems to be a good objective indicator of how much screen time or if the screen time is damaging the meibomian glands. So if you're worried about your kids, if you're worried about yourself, if you feel straining of the eye at the end of the day or tiredness, or you ever notice your eye, you should never notice your eye. It's like noticing your heart. If you notice your heart, you go to the emergency room. If you notice your eye, do not ignore it. You come in right away. We need to get a mybography. And we do that here every day, especially on kids, especially on kids that are on screens more than four hours a day. So in our paper, we talk about the mybography, how essential it is to get that checked out every year. 
And we talk about how at the, in the New England Journal of Medicine, they published a report in 1997 noting that people who are on screens about four hours a day tend to develop dry eye symptoms. Now we all kind of laugh. Four hours a day, what kind of job could you have where you're on screens less than four hours a day? But every week, I'm talking to parents about this because a lot of kids are coming in where their glands are decreasing at a very rapid rate. And though we did not prove uh, causation, we didn't say for sure that the screen time is causing these meibomian glands to atrophy, there's an association. I think most of us in the eye care industry really think there is a cause of not blinking and being on the screens and then the oil drying up. And so when I have to tell a parent that your child probably should not go into the computer field, you can imagine how devastating that is because obviously every profession has screen time. Everybody has an iPhone. Kids are getting their iPhone in elementary school or their, their, their smartphone. And we have to try as a society, as a family, as a society, as a community, uh, to really encourage children to understand the dangers of staring at that screen more than you know a few hours a day. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to just kind of morph into a little bit about what do you do, right? So uh, years ago, we moved to the D.C. area, and I was coming from Harvard, and I had all my wonderful credentials, and we went to this wonderful school called The Heights, and we went, met with the headmaster, uh, Alvaro de Facente, and my husband's a, a computer programmer and into you know finance, and we sat down with him and we said, you know, Alvaro, Mr. Deficente, you really should flip the class. This is before, this is way, this is nine years ago. This is before we had any, I had any idea about my, there's no mybography. This photo of the oil glands was not available. Uh, we did not know that the dry eye epidemic was about to take this big spike in uh, incidence and, and, pre and prevalence in the country, in the world. And so we sat down with the headmaster of this wonderful school and said, look, you really need to get more IT in this, in, this, in this high school. You need to teach computer programming and you need to flip the classroom so students do their homework uh, you know, in, in the classroom and they, take, they listen to videos at home of the teachers you know, so you, you are more efficient. And he just looked at us and said, no, we're fine. We don't need you know, smart screens. We're fine with blackboards and you know, we're fine. And, but my husband helped start the computer programming uh, program at the, the Heights. But he stood his ground. He's like, no, we're fine. We're going to do textbooks, paper, pencil. That's great. And, you know, my husband and I went home and like, well, okay, he's, he's, this is not going to be easy. He's not going to, you know, kind of change his mind. I guess we'll just stick with this. And we love the school. So our, our kids, all our four boys have gone there. And so years later, when we finally got the mybography, uh, which is about four, four years ago, uh, we were sh I was shocked. I was shocked by what I was seeing in these children. And then as time went on and the research started to come out that it looks like excessive screen time is causing the oil glands of children to dry up faster than in any other time in history, I went back and just thanked him. And I said, I can't believe you stood your ground. Every other school in the whole area has everything is online the schedules there's no calendar there's no notebook there's there's everything is schoology or all these new things where children have to do their homework online and i thanked him and i said you've done a big service because parents are looking for the best for their children and they know in their hearts of hearts that it is wrong for them to sit there and be on their ipad or iphone or video game for hours at a time and you are right if you see anybody 
whose child is at the restaurant, not talking to the parents and on the iPhone for the full hour or two hours that they're there, there's something wrong with that. And we have to try to change that for ourselves also. Obviously, the children are watching us. If we pull out the cell phone during dinner, if we pull out the cell phone at any drop of a hat, that's not a good precedent because we have to try to limit that screen time as much as possible. So what are the top five things you can do to try to help yourself and your children kind of prevent or decrease this issue of the damage to the eyes that we're all experiencing with the screens, which has been made worse with COVID? So the first and most important thing is obviously blinking, as much as you can, closing your eyes. I tell people, talk with your eyes closed. Use Siri to dictate your texts uh, or whatever smartphone uh, thing you have. Have Siri read you your notes. Siri can do that. There's now smart computers that allow the the machine to really read to you the notes or you can dictate the notes. Super important. As you do that, close your eyes. We've always recommended look away every 20 minutes, look 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Some people need every 10 minutes for 20 seconds looking 20 feet away. You have to think about anytime you can type with your eyes closed, anytime you can look away, those things are important for blinking and also for the new, well, the relatively new increased rates of myopia globally. So the more kids and the more even uh, young adults are on a screen near to them like this, the more the eyeball grows. And I tell the story of my sister who came to rotate with me at Harvard when she was a medical student. And I examined her eyes because she wanted a good eye exam. And she was 20-20, did not need glasses, was perfect. This is before medical school. This is when she graduated high school. And she was a good student, but she was not a real, she wasn't like studying like all the time in high, in college. Uh, she did really well in college, but she didn't really study as hard as she was going to start study in medical school. So I examined her at Harvard and we did everything. She was 20-20. She came back one year later and she was a minus 2.25. And she knew it. Her vision had decreased. I was like, what the heck's going on? She's like, I'm studying like 14 hours a day. This is when we had just really books. But her reading intensely made the eyeball, which is what we call the axial length, grow because she was doing so much near work. And she was around 21 at that time. So when I was at Harvard, this was like, I don't know how many years ago, uh, gosh, I think 10 years ago or so, the fact that the eyeball could still grow at age 21 was kind of a surprise. I don't think we really realized, or I didn't realize that. So the more a child is on a, like looking at a notebook or screen close up, it's inducing the eyeball to grow, and that's why there's a rate, an increased rate of myopia. Some of you know that in China, most children are in school from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and a few years ago, they did a study because their rates of myopia are epidemic proportions. They're having, and, and the side effects of being nearsighted is a risk of retinal detachment, retinal you know, tear, retinal detachment, blindness from that, glaucoma, which means nerve damage. So again, the eyeball has its part, the front is the cornea, the lens, the film of the eye, and there's a cable that connects the eye to the brain called the optic nerve. And when the eyeball stretches, it pulls on that optic nerve, which is like your TV cable, and it can damage that cable. And that's called glaucoma. So glaucoma is nerve damage. So when you have nearsightedness to a severe extent, those risks increase. So China had this big problem on their hand. So they took, they did a study. They took a, a center of students, a district, thousands of children in one arm, thousands of children in the other arm. 
the second arm was given an extra break. So the first group, or most children at the time, had only 30-minute break for the whole day. That was lunch. That was it. The second group got an extra break. And I think so they got a total of maybe like an hour and a half break for the whole day to go play outside. They followed the children for about six years, and they looked at the myopia rates. And sure enough, the children that played outside had less myopia. So the law of the land changed, and children were allowed to have another break. But imagine your child being in school for about 12 hours a day, probably now mostly computer time, where you get maybe an hour break for the whole day to go play outside. And in a way, that's kind of, I think it's medical malpractice. You know, that's crazy. You want to let the kids go outside and play because that is helpful for their body, for their eye health, of course, and to try to avoid future chronic dry eye pain. So I think that's the key thing. So what do we do? So of course, number one, blinking, looking away from the screen as much as you can, typing with your eyes closed. Number two, warm compresses. That's crucial. So applying heat to the eyelids with either a wet towel or a dry towel is crucial to open the orifice of that meibomian gland so the oil will start to come out. So if you think of coconut oil in your kitchen, if it's cold, it's thick. If it's warm, it's liquidy. So by basically putting heat on the eyelid, the orifice opens, the liquid, the oil kind of liquefies a bit, and as you blink and, or just massage on the eyelids, it allows the oil to come out, and that allows you to pump the oil out, which allows the body and makes the body want to produce more oil, just like milking a cow. That's crucial to try to keep the oil pumping. So the gold standard for warm compresses is twice a day, 15 minutes at a time. The problem is I don't know I know very few people that do 15 minutes twice a day. And what happens is if you don't, you'll come in to me and I will tell you of the third way to do something to save your glands and that's called thermal pulsation like lipoflow or ilux. And what that is is a very expensive procedure. I would say it's hundreds of dollars, less than a thousand that is FDA approved. And basically, it's a little apparatus that goes along the four eyelids, just like a milking machine. It provides heat and pressure, and it milks the oil out, so your body will produce more oil. It's one of the only things we really have that's FDA-approved that's been shown to slow down that gland loss. And so, obviously, we don't want to have to go there. So that's something that I tell people, if you're starting to have symptoms of dry eye, you want to do something. And if we see one gland with any scar tissue, we recommend mybography. We recommend the thermal pulsation like Lipaflow because we do not want to need the fourth option. The fourth thing you can do to kind of help your glands is called intense pulse light and meibomian gland probing. So those things are more advanced where we try to really regrow the glands or try to save the glands even more extremely because there's too many glands gone. And we'll talk about that in a future podcast. The fifth thing I alluded to before is just try to protect your eyes from blue light. So that includes sunglasses, a hat, uh, try to minimize your screen time like you talked about, but getting a filter for your screens or your your, your uh, glasses. Uh, there's many types of sunglasses out there. Summer's coming out now in DC. I get this question all the time of what are the best sunglasses. So there are really, the only way to know if you have a good pair of sunglasses is by going to a reputable brand uh, like Ray-Ban and there's some other ones that are also very good. Uh, we know that Zeiss is a really great company 
the, their clear lenses have UV protection in them, which is a real rare thing for most uh, kind of company, for most types of glasses. So that's something that we definitely uh, recommend. So if you go to CVS and it says UV protection, there's no way to know for sure. There's an expensive machine you have to take it to to see if it really has UVA, UVB, UVC protection. Now we just want basically just general pan UV protection. Um, so there's some good names of ones that are reputable. Uh, Maui Jim, Costa de Mar, InView, Ray-Ban, Kate Spade. Those are probably the best brands for sunglasses. And then, as I mentioned, Zeiss in general is a very good brand. So always try to focus on those sunglasses for your family and for yourself. Uh, so that's really the key thing of trying to kind of think about these things. Many of you guys have seen all the treatments in the world for eye symptoms of dryness. I'm holding up my stepladder, which is on my blog. But this kind of goes through the yellow, which is there's two paths to kind of help with your symptoms. And we talk about this um, in, in a lot of my videos. But just so my listeners can hear of what you can do, there's two paths to try to help your glands and try to treat dry eye. The most important that we do to try to save your glands and help you here is, or to help your symptoms, the first path is to just kind of save those glands. Don't let them uh, atrophy and dry up so fast. And the second is to treat your symptoms. So what we're trying to do is just slow down that process. And that's where those three things that come in. I mentioned warm compresses with the blinking exercises, looking away, minimal screen time. Number two, thermal pulsation like LipaFlow that milks the oil. Number three, IPL and, my, and uh, probing. Those are the only three things we have to save your glands and slow down the gland loss. That's it. Everything else on my stepladder sheet is to help with symptoms. When I was at Harvard, the only drop we had was restasis. That was it. That was a cyclosporin. We had nothing else. And so all we could do to patients, like, good luck with their symptoms. Here's a prescription drop. Maybe it won't burn. So that's the key thing. So what we want to do is try to remember, focus, and remind your family, especially your kids, to blink, especially when they're on the screen and they have to do homework. You know, everyone's now required to be on Zoom for work. What can you do? Close your eyes. You know, take breaks, set a precedent among your teammates in your in your Zoom calls. Tell them you're going to close your eyes. I have patients that say, you know what, I have dry eye. I'm going to close my eyes unless I have to open them. Use your eyes for eye-worthy things. And if you ever feel your eyes, let me know. Or let some uh, let an uh, eye doctor, eye surgeon know. So thank you for joining us for this podcast. I hope you guys will subscribe and pass it on. We will be talking about a whole bunch of other issues as the next podcast comes. So please send us any requests or suggestions you have. And you can always reach us uh, either on my blog, which is idoc2020 at blogspot.com. Uh, we're at Visionary Eye Doctors in Rockville, Maryland. If you have any questions, you're feel free to call us here, email us. We'll have a link to all that in the, in the podcast. Okay, have a great day. Thank you.